Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Today's episode is about a woman who learned a lot of wisdom after suffering many years from Crohn's disease. It's such an interesting thing, and I really appreciate therapy, but therapy really scratched the surface. What my illness gave me was a perspective and a compassion and a connectedness in life that I don't know if I would have come by any other way. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now.
Unique Hammond is a holistic nutritionist and a coach for the Bean Protocol. Those of you who have listened to my interviews with Karen Hurd, she is the creator of the Bean Protocol. And Unique is someone who studied with her and went out to coach people on how to best achieve results using the Bean Protocol. Because she healed herself of debilitating Crohn's disease by using the Bean Protocol. At one point, her illness was so severe that she couldn't even be touched. I remember listening to an interview. The pain was too severe to even be touched. Her skin was so sensitive. She couldn't eat. She lost a lot of weight. She was super, super ill. I think she could only sleep maybe three hours a night. She was up 22 hours every day. This woman really got to the bottom of her suffering, hit the bottom, and then was given a book about the bean protocol, healed herself physically, and then healed her mindset and how she showed up to her life, which was her total holistic healing experience, which now directs her coaching and the the healing work she does for others. She is the author of a brilliantly titled book, Your Taste Buds Are Assholes, and she's working on a new book that comes out next year. Please welcome to my show, Unique Hammond. Welcome to the show, Unique Hammond. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So I wanted to hear um, something you had just said before we started recording, essentially eating for calm. Um, that That's so interesting to me because I've never called it that, but I, I always call it quiet. You know, I always say I'm trying to make your body more quiet with the food. And so I, I love to hear eating for calm. So maybe... Before we go into even what that means, give us a little intro to how you came to that realization to eat for calm. What were you going through? Well, I realized, I didn't really know it growing up, but I was always in fight or flight. Um, I had an amazing childhood on one hand, but a very traumatic one on the other. And it really set my nervous system to fight or flight. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was a word for um, anxiety. I just walked around. My term for it in my head was, I have a million butterflies always living in my chest and in my stomach. And social anxiety was really high. Um, I was really in survival mode. And that's what I learned later in life. Um, But really, it hit home when I got sick because I always felt intensely emotional in my stomach and in my chest all the time. And what's interesting about that, and now since I've been coaching hundreds of people, um, is hearing how often that stuck in fight or flight from childhood plays a role in their disease story. Um, Mm -hmm. And how much like as an adult, even though I went to therapy, like I still didn't have a handle on why I felt anxious all the time. And I didn't want to medicate for it. I just kind of learned how to not only live with it, but then drink caffeine as a way to feel like I was controlling it because I was inducing my own anxiety. So there was a sense of control in the situation. Um, And I see that a lot with my clients as well. So what happened to me, and it was interesting because there was a lot Karen and I never talked about in my healing Mm -hmm. Crohn's. We never talked about my anxiety. And we never talked about my incredible painful cycles. Those were things that just didn't come up because we were so focused on healing my gut. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So what happened is along the way, once I healed my gut and I kept going on the protocol, is suddenly I realized that I had moments without the million butterflies living in my chest and in my stomach. And at first it was unnerving because I'd spent 30 something years living with intense anxiety, but not really kind of owning it more just like, Whoa, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I need a drink wherever I go, whatever Mm -hmm. social situation, I need to get a drink first, or, um, you know, I need to like control it or, or calm it or add to it in some way. And I started experiencing these moments of absolute calm in my body. And I realized that I'd never felt that my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I noticed a theme with my clients as well, that they were always in fight or flight. And I realized that this, what this protocol does is it gives you calm. And from calm, you're no longer reactive. I was reactive my whole life. And I treated my anxiety and my reaction like, like a high level functioning machine, like, oh, I'm quick to respond, I'm quick to react, I'm, you know, I'm on my toes, I'm fast. And I look back at it now and, you know, I had to do, with all my might, I had to hold myself to respond instead of react. Mm -hmm. And from a place of calm, it's so easy to respond and responding is incredibly powerful. Whereas reacting is usually and often regretful. So. I realized the power of the protocol was in pulling down adrenaline, which is what Karen and I had talked about a lot, but we just didn't talk about in all of the ways it would apply. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because the for people listening, you know, when Unique talks about this, this is actually this interview with you is a great follow-up because it comes right after the adrenaline interview with Karen. So if you didn't hear that that last episode with Karen Heard on adrenaline, have a listen to it now, then come back to this one. But when Unique says about pulling out the adrenaline, when you're losing that excess adrenaline that's just being unmetabolized and moving through the body and cycling and building up, you're you're biologically creating a environment for fight or flight all the time. And so when you say about reacting versus responding, I love that difference. And I wonder for you, I don't know if it was a moment or just like you're saying it, it gently happened, but how did you notice to start responding versus reacting? Well, I had did, I had done therapy for 10 years and in that therapy, I was able to mentally get there and how, what, how I'm a very visual person. So for me, it was when I felt reactive, which was all the time, but I knew that I was destructive when I was reactive because you know, I had grown up in an environment where it, it was, you were prized. I was a prized fighter. I could fight really well mm-hmm. and I didn't know how not to fight. And my whole time in therapy, I spent learning how not to fight and how to, you know, control myself. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing to control ourselves versus not living in fight or flight, not living in survival mode. That's right. You don't have to control yourself they're calm Mm -hmm. and there's incredible wisdom in calm. And um, I really drive this home with my clients and I'm like, once you let go of your addiction to adrenaline, you're going to get addicted to calm because Mm -hmm. calm is so incredibly powerful and calm is intuitive. So 
the visual I used to use to control myself when I, when I was living in a fully adrenalized fight or flight body was the idea of reaction being a tidal wave. And I would have to hold and let the tidal wave crash. And after the tidal wave crashed, I could then get in touch with what I really felt. And from that place, I could respond. Mm-hmm. And, but it was all about control, like controlling my reaction. Whereas I've been on this protocol coming up on eight years now, and I don't have to control myself. You know, obviously I'm a lot older now too. So there's incredible amount of wisdom and maturity that comes with healing yourself from mm-hmm. a horrible situation. Um, and, and that's another theme in my practice is maturity, by the way. Um, and most of my clients, if they listen to this, they'll know. Um, so I don't have to control myself anymore because from this calm nervous system, I can respond all the time. And it's like, it's like being on vacation all the mm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that sense when you go on vacation and you're just connected and calm and like away from the hustle. Mm-hmm. I feel that way all the time. And it's interesting because I used to need vacations. I don't need vacations anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like them and I want them, but I'm not trying to escape myself anymore, you know? So, yeah. See, you're somebody that I, I would call embodied, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when you're talking about the tidal wave, and you're talking about reacting, when you're in that state of um, anger and rage and reactions, just like instantaneous, like trigger, we're, we're so disembodied. Mm-hmm. We come to think there's a power in it initially. And then we start to realize, like you're saying, no, there's this great power actually in being calm. Now, there's nothing wrong when you feel anger. It's this great thing to listen to because it's telling you if a boundary has been broken or if you're out of balance with yourself. So it's, it's a good tool to check in. But to identify as angry or to live as angry, it's so disembodying because you start to dissociate because it's so overwhelming, that charge. So when you're saying, I find people get addicted to calm, I just, I hear, wow, people get embodied. They feel what it's like to feel safe in their bodies and still. And when that gets disrupted, it doesn't feel as good, right? But when you come from a history of trauma, that's all you know is being disrupted and being loud inside and being agitated. So that's your norm, right? So when you have something new to compare it to, it changes that. Yeah, you're scared. You're scared. That's right. You know, if I'm honest and if I'm real, I was scared all the time. And from that place of fear... I was incredibly reactive Mm -hmm. and I like embodied um, because I do, I feel completely myself. And Mm -hmm. what I will say um, as people become more embodied and calm is that the hard part is suddenly all of the emotions that you couldn't feel because in fight or flight, you're either angry or you're happy or you're, you know, you're, but you're not a lot in between. Like Mm -hmm. it's hard to feel when you're in a state of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Fear, fight or flight, survival. Um, and when you induce it yourself, even with caffeine, we're inducing survival mm-hmm. mode. Um, and in an embodied body, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same kind of effect, but it still does in the actual human body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that calm, suddenly you can deal with feeling an incredible um array of emotions and it's a much more it's simpler but it's also much more complex because you're like wow i can feel all of these things that from a young age i didn't know 
was okay to feel. I can feel sad. I can feel melancholy. I can feel joy. I can feel pain. I can feel all of these things, but there isn't this greater meaning to it. It's just emotional uh, kind of health, really, to be able to feel everything without attaching something bigger to it, right? Like for me, I was raised that everything in life is cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And um, so if I felt something, I would look for something to blame for it. And as I matured and as I grew and as I became calm, I realized, wow, all of these emotions live inside of me, having no uh, reaction to the outside world, but just me going through normal cycles of emotion. And wow, that's beautiful and that's amazing. And I can cry for joy and I can cry for pain and I don't have to go looking for an application for it you know mm-hmm. no that's, that's really that's really beautiful and wise and it's my experience too i'm curious if you could share your experience you know your your suffering that led you to this incredible work you do now so i as we've established uh, lived in fight or flight made a lot of poor choices out of that place of fight or flight insecurity fear and most of them were offenses against my own body. Obviously living in an adrenalized state already has a lifespan, right? You can only live that way for so long before the body just begins to crumble, um, just based on the amount of adrenaline you're constantly pumping with nothing in the digestive tract to actually help you remove it, right? So we know um, that soluble fiber is that incredible trash bag that helps pull down your adrenaline, clear out the bile, the junk in the bile, the most toxic elements um, that your body excretes are in the bile. So we have this incredible tool now. I didn't have that incredible tool. So I basically lived in the state, made all of these choices in the state, never really contemplated the health of my body. And at a very young age of 34, my body completely broke down. Um, I would like to also mention that from the time I got my period at like 12 years old, I had horrible, like intense nausea, pain, suffering from it. And again, another thing I didn't know was not normal. And um, I thought, oh, this, this is this is what it is to be a girl. Um, and, you know, every single month, the fear would build as that time would come because I knew how horrible and painful it was. And now I realize like, oh, that's totally not normal, right? Um, so at 34, I've had two kids and and young mom, and my body just completely started breaking down. I couldn't uh, smell. The smells got really intense in my world. Um, Taste, you know, I couldn't really eat anything at a certain point without it just going right through me. And I went on a very in-depth journey to try to figure out what the hell was going on. Like, why at such a young age was I absolutely falling apart? And... um, you know, I, I'm being raised holistically. I turned first to kind of the holistic world. I looked at my diet. Um, I looked at, you know, taking every single supplement under the sun given to me by every amazing uh, practitioner that I went to who was really trying to help me solve the problem of my unidentified gut issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, blood work after blood work, stool test after stool test, everything came back going, you're healthy and you're fine. And it was like, okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How is it possible that everything is coming back healthy and fine when I'm literally on fire 
from my mouth to my tail, like that whole digestive tract, you know, was absolutely on fire. And I would go through kind of like a month here, there in the beginning where things were okay. And then things would kind of dip down again and get really bad. And so I was going through these cycles of flares and I got really clear that these cycles of flares were really attached to my ovulation and period, which were fascinating to me because mm-hmm. I have like, you know, one good week a month and slowly as I continued to not heal because I was you know I was doing paleo I was doing um, I went vegan I did macrobiotic I kind of tried I did Ayurveda like I mm-hmm. tried all of these things and nothing gave me more than a slight relief um, but I was continuing to get kind of more emaciated and sicker and sicker and that one week that I used to have that was like oh this is a good week um, that was slowly eaten up over time and I had no good days and I would have maybe hours, you know, here and there without pain or a block or whatever. So my healing story was kind of in the beginning, a little like up and down. And then it just was like a nosedive and the nosedive happened after not being able to find anything and doing breath tests and all kinds of things. Did I have SIBO? No, I didn't have SIBO. SIBO. Did I have C. diff? No, I didn't have C. diff. Do I have parasites? No, I don't have parasites or ones that they could find. And one of the GIs I saw said, why don't you do an exploratory round of antibiotics to see if there's a parasite that we're not identifying. And it was kind of after that, that everything, the shit literally and figuratively hit the fan. Um, so from that time, I wasn't really sleeping. Like I I was in pretty incredible pain all the time. And, um, and I was working and I was a mom of two young daughters and, um, I really didn't know what else to do. Um, I definitely looked really heavily into doing the medications and everything once they had identified that I had Crohn's disease. And they only identified it by doing an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. Um, and once they came back with the biopsy that, oh yeah, you have you have classic Crohn's disease, a severe case at this point because I had been, you know, kind of prolonging it. Um, and then after I had the diagnosis, I went deeper back into the health and wellness and going, okay, the medications are scary. Their side effects are all of my disease side effects that I already have, which are like, bleeding, uh, you know, and Mm -hmm. multiple bowel movements and possible cancer. And I made the mistake at the time, you know, this is now 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, going into the chat rooms um, to look up like medications and what people's results were on them. And the results were so scary that I was just like, okay, I have to like buckle down and really figure this out. I mean, I would have fermented goat's milk flown in from Texas for me. Um, because Uh-oh. at the time, yeah, 10 years ago, there wasn't as many things on the market as there are now for, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. And um, so I was having stuff flown in, you know, from Texas, from the small farm that made this fermented kind of kefir. And I was drinking it. I, would, I had glass jars, like my, my fridge were filled with glass jars of fermented foods. And um, I was taking, you know, pretty much every and every probiotic I could get my hands on, um, fermenting my own foods, uh, wild ferment, you know, and then I went through a phase of like making all my own bone broth. And it was interesting because um, I got to a point where I couldn't eat any of those foods. Every time I even got near them, I would get hives all over my body. 
Wow. And that led me to do, um, you know, kind of, uh, allergy testing and basically every food I'd eaten over the last few years while trying to, um, figure out my gut issues, I was now allergic to, I couldn't eat mm. any of those foods. Mm. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Which basically eliminated pretty much everything. Um, so things had gotten really bad and people always say, how did you find Karen? And I'm like, no, I didn't find Karen. Karen found me. Mm. Um, I had gone through, I had exhausted every option at that point and read everything I could get my hands on. The only benefit, by the way, of being awake for 22 hours a day. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Was that and, and a lot of Netflix. Um, but yeah, so my friend dropped Karen's book off at my house. Um, and I just remember being at that point where I was like, physically, I don't know if my body can handle another protocol that doesn't work because mm -hmm. with a, with a, with the amount of inflammation and Karen doesn't really believe in autoimmune disorders. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say that. Um, but the amount of inflammation that I had in my intestines, I was going to the bathroom anywhere from 20 times a day mm. and, uh, painful and blood and, yeah. um, incredible bloating like my stomach looked six months pregnant all the time and I wasn't eating by the way because I, I couldn't mm. um and so when her book come, came along I was just like I don't even think I can handle another protocol at this point like I don't I don't think my body's strong enough to handle medications I don't think my body is strong enough to really handle anything at this point um my deterioration had gotten to a point where I had rashes all over my body my knees my elbows um, my face was inflamed. My hair had fallen out. My gums were bleeding. I had sores everywhere. Um, and I was so malnourished, you know, just from not being able to eat anything um, and fully adrenalized all the time. So, and the pain made me nauseous. I was in that much pain. Um, and, you know, her book, I was kind of frustrated when her book showed up in my life. I was like, <laughs> I don't even want to read it threw it against the wall. It sat there for less than 24 hours because I'm an incredibly inquisitive person. And, and also I felt like if I'm going to do the medications, I have to feel like I've exhausted everything first. Um, a lot of people, it's the other way around. They go medical and then they go, shit, this isn't working. Let me try something else. For me, it was like, no, based off of my belief system, I have to exhaust the holistic first period. Mm -hmm. um, because then I, ha I, can go into it knowing that I've done everything that I possibly can to heal my body holistically and naturally and um, in alignment with my beliefs, then I'll let go. Mm -hmm. um, so having this kind of question mark sit in the corner of my room was like, okay, <laughs> I have to. Um, and I, I think I only got halfway through her book before I started eating beans, which was probably a mistake because um, going right into beans definitely kind of tore me up, but I then booked an appointment with her. And so it began. And when you, when you were reading, you said you got halfway through, was there something intuitive that hit you about the beans? Was it that it was so different? What was it that took you there that hooked you? Well, my whole journey was, you know, I met with a lot of um, GIs because my whole journey was looking for somebody who actually innately understood the underlying issue I was dealing with because I didn't believe for whatever reason, whenever they said your body's attacking you, I didn't believe it. 
I love that. Yeah. I just didn't believe it. I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. First of all, I was created perfect. Second of all, um, my body doesn't, my body's whole purpose in life is to maintain homeostasis. So I don't have the right to not believe you as far as like the yeah. automatical doctor, um, you know, but innately my body was just like, that's bullshit. Love it. And because that's bullshit, I can't hand over my body for dissection to, you know, take out parts of my body and not actually talk about why this is happening. And, and also I felt really responsible at that point. I felt like I have lived a life totally disconnected to use your term, not embodied. And I had made choices as if my body wasn't mine, mm -hmm. as if it wasn't the most incredible, precious gift I was given. And I really begin to see it that way. I'm like, I have this amazing body, so I'm allowed to have this human experience. And that is an honor. Mm. And how do I go back and honor my body? Mm -hmm. um, I need, you know, and for me, it was like, I need to take responsibility for my illness and I need to heal it. And, and you know, so this idea of like cut it out and cover it up was just, this, it would have been an absolute disconnect for me to go on with that as, as my lead as my leading foot forward um so you know it was just like this book this is a lady who from her own need to heal her family understood the underlying cause of my disease and to me the beans didn't make sense but her drive and the reason to create it as a mother i was like that yeah. That is a woman protecting her family. That is something I trust. I have to say, I, I really, um, I parallel you on that because I had started out as a nutritionist and I was really, that was what I clung to. And for years I worked with people with trauma on nutrition because I, I always saw that there was this um, correlation between their cravings and what time they ate and how it affected their emotions. And so a lot of people who had exhausted psychotherapy, uh, even psychiatry, whose medications just weren't working anymore, they would come to me and they would titrate and then we'd do everything with herbs and food. So it was, it was where my heart lied. And then for the last five years, I've been focused much more on somatic therapy. And I, I got away from nutrition a bit. I still practiced it myself and, and with clients, but I wasn't as eager. And then I heard an interview, the one with Lacey Phillips, uh, mm -hmm. with Karen. And the moment I heard her story and I heard her voice and I immediately connected to that, that, that wise woman in her. And as I'm connecting to the wise woman in you and the wise one in me, it, it's like, there's this, um, there's this, I experience people who are really in their wisdom come from an experience of massive trauma or suffering that they were able to get through. And once they got through and out, they have this incredible amount of, of, of wisdom and capacity to heal and to learn and to share. So when I heard her story, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, her generosity to go through that and, and see differently as well. Like she wouldn't believe the doctors as well. Something in her kept leading her away from the diagnosis. And I just thought, or prognosis, and I just thought, what a brilliant woman. Even if it doesn't work, I'm so inspired to, to just eat it, <laughs> to feel it. And, and I felt the same way about you when I read your story and I heard an interview about your life and your story as well and the way you just said that. 
uh, it just hit something in me. I just, want, just wanted to say that, that I, I agree and had a similar experience with you. Um, I'm glad. I'm really glad that you did that. So how quick, how soon did you start noticing shifts in your body? In some ways, immediately, like there were signs that I was on the right path, but my body was so broken down that it took an incredible amount of faith and belief um, to do it. And, um, you know, I do think that for me, I was working um, at the time because I continued to be an asshole to my body um, and just go, okay, I'm going to keep working. You know, I have to, like, I was still kind of like stuck in this fight or flight mentality, the survival mode. And, you know, I need to keep working and, um, you know, so I'm going to eat these beans and, you know, I'm going to keep working. Um, there was a part of me that made up this story that I had to keep working to stay alive. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it was still me feeding the wrong part of my, myself. It was feeding my ego instead of my body. And the fact that my body healed despite my continued disconnect was profound to me. Um, and it still is because I think I actually extended the time that it took for me to heal by continuing to, um, force my body to my will. Mm, Love that. Love that. Yeah. And I, you know, was an incredible lesson to me. The whole, this whole, you know, this whole experience humbled me and taught me about my body and how to respect my body in in such a way that I no longer force my body to my will. I'm actually in relationship to my body and I prioritize what my body needs most and I take joy in it and I don't feel at all restricted. I feel liberated and free for the first time in my life and it's an incredible feeling. Um, so for you, the t- um, I'm so sorry. So for you, the total healing was really the nutrition was the first piece. And then the way you showed up to your life was the second piece. And those two things felt like they really completed the the healing process for you. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's really nice um, to hear. So, so I started eating the beans. Um, my boss at the time had severe uh, colitis Crohn's as well. And he took an interest, which scared the shit out of me. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to kill my boss with my ex- <laughs> Oratory ideas. <laughs> I mean, and he was like scheduled for removal of his colon kind of wow. thing. Yeah. So yeah, so he was like, oh, "You're doing it. Well, I'm going to do it too." And um, and I think that is why I knew when I was going to open my practice to jump forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to have a coaching element. I had trained as a life coach 15 years earlier, mm-hmm. and. I never thought I was going to use it. I had done it just for my own awakening. Mm. And when I started thinking about a practice for myself, um, at a certain point, I was like, I know I'm going to use this training because going through the process of healing with my then boss, because it really bonded us, um, was the difference of me staying on the protocol. Mm. Because when you're that sick, even though you believe I was thrown backwards. I, I, I think of things in nature. So if you're in the surf and then there's a big outside set that comes and it just drags you underwater 
and you go, you know, if you're paddling forward, it drags you 15 feet backwards. And for me, that was the process of healing. I would make some strides forward and then I I would get just hurtled backwards. Mm -hmm. And most of the time on the protocol, when I would get hurtled backwards, I felt like I was worse than when I started sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I realize now that it's only my mind that thought that because I had felt better days. So I could quickly go, Oh, this is worse than I was. Sure. That makes sense. In reality, I wasn't right. I mean, I was at the bottom to use one of Lacey's terms, you know, I I was humbled down beyond my knees in life. And mm. that was mm. a powerful place to start from, you know? See, I'm going to have to pause you there because you're, that's where my mind was going. I was hearing um, a question that was for you, would you say the experience with Crohn's was your, was, I don't, I don't know if it's the gift is the right word, but do you feel grateful? That's what I want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it was, um, it was what woke me up. Right. Um, I thought I was awake and aware and conscious and connected. And, and in a lot of ways, I was. Right. But I wasn't to myself. I That's wasn't right. on my path in life. And I was still striving for all the wrong things. Um, and, you know, my the people that knew me in my other career were like, you're so healthy. You're so generous. I would help people get healthier. Funny enough, like the foreshadowing was always there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it took my absolute annihilation, Mm -hmm. uh, emotionally, mentally for me to, what, what do they say? The crack is where the light comes in. Yeah. 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 It was basically, you know, and it's, it's such an interesting thing and I really appreciate therapy, but therapy really scratched the surface what yeah. my illness gave me was a perspective and a compassion and a connectedness in life that I don't know if I would have come by any other way. You know, I, I agree with you um, because, you know, I'm a somatic therapist. So I, I went to school to become a psychotherapist and then I, I dropped out because, and all my friends, you know, people listening, my colleagues, I, I have so many psychotherapist friends. I love them. I have so much respect for the, the lineage of it. You know, I get it. But for me, there is too much identity. And I, I find so much healing through the loss of identity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. you were talking about, you said something so well, when you were saying, I, you know, I had no reason to disagree with these doctors, but still I did. <laughs> you know, I, I really appreciated that because I, I, I had a woman a couple of weeks ago named Kuntir Richards who uh, was diagnosed with lupus and very similar story to yours. Similar, it's that same fight or flight way of living, unresolved, unprocessed trauma, like, you know, the, the same deal, same thing I went through. And so it was manifesting as what, you know, the medical world would call autoimmune. And she said that when she took on the identity of having lupus, she kept getting sicker. And, you know, her spirit kept going lower and her emotions were just more out of control. And then when she decided to stop identifying with lupus and to start listening to the illness, essentially, like what I'm hearing you did, it, it redirected her almost shamanically, right? It's like the, the, disease be, the, the disease is the shaman and it directs you to something brand new. And that's what I, again, that's another example of what I call being embodied, learning how to listen to your body. So when you said you were awake to everything but yourself, which is a very powerful statement, you needed something to pause you and you weren't going to listen until it was loud enough. And then well, you it listened. Was, 
yeah, life did a little rag doll on me. It just kind of slapped me around. And when slapping me around didn't work, which the slapping me around was just these transient gut issues I had my a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the slapping me around didn't work, it was like, all right, we got to take her down to her knees. We got to make, we got to yes. wake her up because she's headed in the wrong direction and totally disconnected. And, um, you know, there's, I think, I, well, that was one thing that I never did was identify with my disease. Beautiful. And all Beautiful. of the doctors really, um, really wanted me to join Crohn's, you know, support groups and all of these things. And I was like, yeah, but that's not me. That's, this isn't who I am. This is mm. where mm. I am. Mm-hmm. And there, it's an incredible uh, um, detail because where I am is a place I'm moving through, but who I am is, is stuck, right? Because we're not, um, we're not static. We are fluid. And I think the moment we become static by kind of like putting ourselves in boxes and going, this is who I am. Right. And I think there's right. this really important placed on um, defining who you are. And actually I think there's incredible power in letting go of that mm-hmm. because we are fluid. We mm-hmm. are nature. Nature is fluid. So I never, and you know, and some people are like, you need, you need to join the support groups and all that stuff. I'm like, they're going someplace that I don't want to go. That's right. I don't want to go to who I am. I want to go. This is where I am. That is so beautiful. You know, you said that so poignantly. This is, isn't, this isn't who I am. This is where I am. And that's, uh, my goodness. I mean, that's what I try to say when I talk about losing identity is the moment you take that on, it's a fixed state. And we know now that the body somaticizes whatever the mind attaches to. So for you to not attach to that fixed state allowed you to be, as you said, fluid like nature, which is so gorgeous. I mean, so true. So true for me as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think if we look around us, you know, I think we are constantly trying to cut ourselves off from nature because we're so intelligent, but I think there's a, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's a total disconnect, right? If you look in nature, when massive winds come through, the trees that are able to be flexible and move don't break, right? They weigh. And I think that to me, I've always looked to nature for the wisdom of my life. And when I became brittle, that was the moment I realized I needed to become fluid um, Mm. and not attach myself to anything but healing and, and really respecting my body. Um, So, I talked earlier about maturity. What my illness gave me was maturity because I had, you know, maintained a certain amount of um, insecurity and do what I want when I want mentality, which is very childish, right? Like throw your toys. I want what I want, right? Mm -hmm. I want the marshmallow. I want the, this, I want the chocolate. I want the coffee. I want this. And, you know, what healing, what my illness gave me was maturity and the maturity to prioritize what I want most over what I want right now. Mm. And to keep your, my, my eye on the ball. What did I want most? Did I, I wanted vitality and wellness. I wanted to have a normal bowel movement without pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sleep through the night. Um, I wanted to live a joyous life. And 
what do I want right now? I want that burger. I want that this. I want that ice cream. I want, I want these palatable foods that make me feel, you know, that kick up my nervous system, that make me feel alive. I want that. I want the coffee, you know. And even though I knew all of those things that I wanted were destructive to what I wanted most. And I work a lot and I talk a lot about maturity. It takes an incredible amount of maturity um, to heal your body. It takes recognizing the child within that wants yes. and going, that's okay to want. Mm. But what I want most and what we want most, me and my body, right? This relationship is I want to be vital and I want to be well. And that's what I want most because you know what? That is actual freedom. People mm. get really caught up in their head about what it means to be unrestricted and free. Yep. And they mistakenly think that being able to eat whatever you want makes you free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. if anything like living in an unwell body while you prioritize being free in your food is an Mm -hmm. absolute disconnect from total freedom total Mm -hmm. freedom is feeling vital and well period that's total freedom because in a vital well body you can do anything you can do anything in a sick body while you eat free you're totally limited and restricted so to me it's like reframe what freedom actually is and get really clear about what's most important. Because to me, living in a vital body, that's 100% more important than, than dark chocolate or coffee or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. My gosh, I feel like I'm at a poetry jam. I'm like snapping over here as you talk. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's, you know, it's like um, one thing you were saying there that I thought was so beautiful is I, I talk a lot about reparenting the body. And mm-hmm. I think what you were just saying was was so lovely because the the body and its cravings or its coping mechanisms they they almost are always I wouldn't even say almost I believe they're always either stress or trauma responses, and so when you're in a stress or trauma response around that that coping craving whether it's a food or a person or a substance, it, it's essentially a tantrum really in an adult's body, mm-hmm. and so when you say that piece about like, okay, we're not going to shame you for the tantrum, but we're going to give you some, some safety, right? And you have a bowl of beans and you know, broccoli or something. And you start to have that safety come over you. It's like the child wanted the cake, but what did the child need, right? And so I love this idea about re- retraining, reparenting the body to go toward the safety versus the reaction. Again, this goes back to what you said earlier. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, the reaction is, um, you know, a lot of people emotionally eat and uh, soothe themselves emotionally and um, then come up with terms to support that action, right? Oh, this is too restrictive. I'm just going to have this. Mm. Um, And really it's reparenting yourself and going, Mm. yes, you can absolutely have that, but it's not what we want most. You know, the reaction is I had a bad day. Uh, Even more interesting and something I experienced firsthand is you start to feel good and then you go, Oh, I, now I can have whatever I want. I feel yes. Good. I'm glad you said that. And then you eat, eat whatever you want and you don't feel good. And you're like, Oh, the protocol didn't work. It's like, no, the protocol works, but you have to work for it. And, um, the, this idea of, I feel good. Now I can eat, now I can eat trash or emotionally eat. Most of my clients find that that doesn't really work out well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's always been my tendency. Cause thing, yeah, because the thing that the body doesn't like, it's not going to suddenly overnight 
like. But Correct. what I will say is the longer you're on protocol, the greater resilience you create in your mm-hmm. body. But if mm-hmm. you do end up having, let's just say dark chocolate, because that's a big pressure point with mm-hmm. my clients, um, that your body isn't going to go into adrenaline overdrive. Your gut's not going to get bloated and you're not going to fall apart because you've created mm-hmm. and you've um, cared for your microbiome and your nervous system so that if you have that dark chocolate, your body is going to go, okay, I got you. And then you follow it up with here's, here's support. So we can work through this together. A lot of people with um, digestive issues are often people with a very sensitive nervous system. Yes. And it's interesting to me that those of us with a sensitive nervous system often pile on the problem by having more caffeine or having foods that compound the sensitive nervous system. I actually really talk about with my clients today that your sensitive nervous system is actually your superpower. Mm. Having a sensitive nervous system means that you have uh, sensitivity and to have sensitivity means that you have intuition at your fingertips. Should Mm. you be calm enough to connect with it? Mm. Beautiful. I, I, again, I couldn't agree more. Um, I don't even have anything to say because <laughs> you say you're saying everything I care about so well. So I just feel like, yep, yeah, there you go. Everyone listen to unique. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's really lovely. It really is because it's, uh, I, I have in my experience with my own trauma and with many people I work with, there are these two, these two modalities that I've found and it's really nutrition and it's your mindset because what you just said is key. They, they both affect your nervous system. And mm-hmm. our nervous system is literally how we, we sensationally experience our lives. So if those systems are in overdrive, if they're depressed, if they're neutral, that's how you get to experience your, your experience. And so when you said people that have these really activated nervous systems are really sensitive nervous systems, and they move toward foods that activate them more. It's like they're just creating that more difficult experience very innocently, you know, for themselves. And when they start doing this piece that you're introducing, reparenting and feeding your nervous system and loving that intuitive sense, sensory, sensational experience, that's like a new way of seeing it as a gift versus something to control or repress, right? Like let it blossom and, and nourish it, really. Or feel broken. Like I was raised, I was a very sensitive kid. And the reflection I got back from my parents were, you're broken. You're so sensitive, you know, and you're so sensitive. And I look back now at that little girl who was really sensitive. I'm like, wow, you were so intuitive. And you were so, you know, your nervous system was so connected. And when you calm everything down, you can actually, it's interesting. You start to see the ripples of life happening before they happen. Um, and it's not in the mind, it's in the body, that sensitive kind of like, almost like those little, like little finger, like sensitivity, you know, it's like, I pick up on the currents, not that the mind is just a processing place. It's the body that picks up on the currents Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in a place of calm, which is why my whole theme is eat for calm because that calm nervous system is incredibly powerful and allows you to also get really honest about your life and your relationships and your connections and what you're doing in your life. And I think that's a scary proposition for most of us, you know, especially if we've lived um, in a somewhat numbed state for a while. And that's where I'm going to end it. That's a beautiful (laughs) way. That's a beautiful way to end this. 
Uh, I want to thank you for your life and your time and your wisdom. And I'm going to direct everybody at the end where to go to find you. So thank you so much for coming here, Unique. Oh, thank you so much. It's um, such a pleasure. And um, yeah, really, really wonderful. Thank you. For more information on Unique's wonderful work, you can follow her on Instagram at Unique Hammond, or you can go to her website at yourgreat.com. Y-O-U-R-E, great.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.